to start out this afternoon by just <coughs> mentioning a few things that people do find helpful uh, in, uh, in establishing concentration. And uh, maybe we'll have a chance to try some of these out uh, before too much of your blood has gone to your stomach to make you go to sleep. <laughs> <coughs> One thing that is uh, is uh, very helpful is counting breaths. If you're if you're having trouble uh, keeping the mind stably on the breath, then it can help to have have a, a kind of target, like you decide that you're going to be able to keep the attention on the breath for ten consecutive breaths. And if you lose the awareness somewhere in the process. Then you just start over again until you succeed in getting to 10. Uh, and then once you've done that, then you let go of the counting. But that's something that's helpful. As a matter of fact, I think it's a very good idea to practice that uh, many, many years I have employed myself, is to always start out every meditation by counting the first 10 breaths. One of the things that I think you'll find if you do that is you immediately become aware if there's some degree of distraction or dullness or agitation of the mind that's present, because it'll be a little, it'll be either more or less easy than it is usually to succeed in, in counting those first ten breaths without having to start over so many times. The other thing is that if you start each meditation session with counting the breaths, it conditions your mind. When you count breaths, okay, we're meditating now. It, it makes the transition between uh, a mind that's busy with daily affairs and the uh, mind that's meditating. Another thing that you might find useful is uh, we've already mentioned that you can note such things as the beginning and the middle and the end and the pause of the breath as you go along. And, of course, after a while, that becomes a bit cumbersome and you can let go of it. But it can be helpful to keep you uh, keep your attention centered until you until you become trained, until your, your mind becomes more stable. But considering that we pretty well always have this constant narrative going on in our mind, at least when we're in the early stages of meditation, uh, you can also uh, let that talk be ab about your observation of the, of the breath. That can help. As long as you've got this little voice chattering away, you know, if it wants to talk about how well, how well you're, you're uh, recognizing the different stages in the breath, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. Make use of it. Likewise, there are some people who are more visual than verbal, and they might generate a, a mental visual image that uh, helps them to remain focused on the breath. So these are just some little devices that you can use uh, if you're still at the point where, where they are useful to you. Also, I've talked to you about uh, forgetting and mind-wandering, but there's another, some, another thing that you uh, uh, can experience and many of you I know have, 
goes by the name of monkey mind. It's an agitated mind where your attention just, just keeps jumping around from one thing to another. You know, and it might even keep coming back fairly frequently to the breath, but it doesn't stay there. It just keeps jumping around. Counting is a really good way to calm the mind down and to deal with that monkey mind situation when it arises. Then, as you go along and as your as your ability to concentrate, as, as your ability to stay with the breath improves, and as you uh, as as periods of mind wandering become very very short, then you can start to pay more attention to the kinds of distractions that are taking you away. So, uh, and I. What I'm suggesting here is that, you know, you take a moment to just recognize what it is that took your attention away. And then this allows you to be on, on guard against that particular thing later on. As you have longer periods where you stay with the breath, you're more aware of the different thoughts that are present in the, in the periphery of your awareness. And if you see the same thought coming up or a similar kind of thought that took you away before, then you can be a little, have a little more heightened vigilance against being carried away by that thought. Um, I talked to you about the five hindrances. And actually, uh, one way of, of uh, keeping track of, of the distractions that occur is to just identify which of the hindrances they belong to. Is it, is it a thought to do with worldly desire? Or is it a worry, agitation? Is it a thought to do with doubt? So forth. So what the effect of all of these kinds of things does is it helps to make you more aware of what's actually happening while you're, you're working on stabilizing the attention. And this is where you want to get to be. Introspective awareness is the way I described that moment of waking up to the fact that your mind had wandered. But you don't have to wait until your mind wanders to have this kind of introspective awareness. As a matter of fact, when your mind wanders and it arises, it's a very good idea to try to sustain that awareness as long as you can. When you, when you bring your attention back to the breath, then continue to be aware of the fact that you are attending to the breath rather than being distracted. Be aware of the distractions that are present that you are, are trying not to succumb to. Be aware of whether or not there's dullness arising in your mind. It takes a little while, but what you can do is you can... You can uh, get to the point where you always have that kind of introspective awareness. And this is a large part of how you uh, get to the stage where uh, your mind never really leaves the meditation object. The meditation object remains the center of your focus all the time. Because you're continuously aware of what's happening in your mind. And if there's any tendency of, of the attention to drift, you notice it right away and you can correct for it. But it does take some time. In the meantime, when you are, when your attention is relatively stable uh, and you don't have continuous introspective awareness, 
you can still check in with yourself. You can still notice your, from, remember from time to time to just notice that, ah, yes, indeed, I'm still, I'm still doing well here in my continued awareness of the breath. What you are aware of, you can stand in the relationship of being the observer looking at the breath or the observer looking uh, at some other kind of object. But there's this other aspect of where you're actually looking at your own mind and you're seeing what's happening in your mind as it's happening. And that's what we really want to have. And that's where you, you have the success in developing concentration comes from. Because when you get to the point that you know when when uh, your mind is starting, when your attention is starting to drift, then you can cor correct it before it does drift. Okay. So, if we look at the uh, at the first four stages, the first we're trying to over we're trying to establish a practice. You're going to have to deal with whatever resistance that you have, whatever doubt you have, and whatever else. You're going to have to increase your motivation. And you're going to have to establish a priority. If you don't make meditating a priority, you'll never establish a regular practice. So you, but you know, you eat every day. That's not a problem. You have a job, you go to work every day. That's not a problem. You have all kinds of things that you do with a high degree of consistency. And the reason you do them with a high degree of consistency is because, first of all, they have some degree of priority. Uh, for whatever reason, the satisfaction they give you, or out of necessity, or whatever. But they've been assigned a priority. And then you've adjusted everything else around uh, that priority so that those things happen regularly. You have to do the same thing with meditation in order for it to become a regular practice. But then if you do so, uh, then it starts to become easier and easier. Throughout the whole process, this is what, this is the attitude and approach you want to take. Meditation is time for yourself. Meditation is time for peace of mind. Meditation is, is something that you do for yourself, for your own benefit, and you want it to be enjoyable. Whenever you find that you are experiencing resistance to meditation, or resistance to something that's happening in meditation, then that's something that you want to be aware of, examine, and change if you can. <coughs> if you look at if you look at the resistance when it's there, it's probably because you've created some expectations. You you don't want to do something that uh, you don't enjoy. You don't want to do something that you feel like you're unsuccessful at. You don't want to do something that uh, uh, seems less important than other things. So find the ways to make to, to make meditation be something that you really enjoy, rather than uh, any other way that you could look at it. 
what you hopefully will find very quickly in, in practice is peace of mind, relaxation, increased clarity. So now, as we look at this in terms of making progress through stages, you want to try to develop the trust that you will progress and take the satisfaction in your progress as it happens, but without creating the kind of expectations and targets that will turn it into drudgery and a chore or into something that you experience uh, disappointment and, and sense of failure in regard to. <coughs> Everyone read over the first four stages and familiar with them? Any questions about them? What's involved in them? How they're defined? Yes? Is it possible to, to get to stage three and into four without experiencing sleepiness or, or, or drowsiness? It's, it's extremely unlikely, yeah. Right. Uh, and that's something that we haven't talked about at all, uh, is, is dullness and drowsiness, important thing to talk about. Uh, it's particularly when you get to the uh, third stage that most people start experiencing sleepiness. And Sleepiness is a manifestation of something of a broader uh, category of experience that called dullness. So sleepiness is a very strong form of dullness. And dullness and sleepiness are the <coughs> opposites of mindful awareness or fully conscious awareness. Well, sleep is, sleep is a kind of unconsciousness. Fully conscious awareness is just this opposite. So you can think of these as all on a spectrum. And at one end of the spectrum is when you're asleep. And the other end of the spectrum is where you have brilliant, fully conscious, full-minded awareness. You know, that you're in that uh, very special place that we sometimes enter into where we are, you might say, super conscious. And then, those two are just two different ends of the spectrum. So as we move in, towards the sleep end of the spectrum, as the dullness end of the spectrum, uh, then what happens is, 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 of course, there's much less clarity in our perception, but there's also a tendency to keep going deeper and deeper into that. And it's also pleasant. Going to sleep is pleasant. Going to sleep when you meditate is pleasant, except that you have to wake up. That's not pleasant. But the reason that we all experience this is that your mind is once again doing what it's used to doing. When you when you turn the attention inward, you withdraw all of your awareness from external stimulation. Uh, you have your eyes closed. Then this predisposes you to sleep, just as just as you've been doing all of your life. You go to bed, you close your eyes, and you go to sleep. And so, 
everyone's going to experience it. And you have to work your way through it. Usually there's a, in the, uh, in the third stage, you will start to encounter sleepiness. And so you'll have both uh, periods of, of mind wandering and periods of sleepiness, sleepiness that you have to deal with. And, and sleepiness can be very strong. Then later on, when you get to the fourth stage, the dullness can still lead to sleepiness, but it tends to be not quite as uh, as intense. And so you'd be dealing with a lot of dullness that's in the form. Uh, it, it can either be very subtle, where it's just a lack of clarity, or it can start to be where there's <coughs> distortion of uh, your, your uh, perception of the meditation object. Dreamlike images begin to arise, and uh, you can you can actually be sustained somewhere along that spectrum uh, in certain spots for quite a long period of time without actually falling asleep. Although the tendency usually is the dullness gets stronger and stronger until eventually you do fall asleep. But typically, what will happen in the third stage is you'll you'll deal with sleepiness for a while and you get past that as a problem you'll get on and, and you'll get into the fourth stage. And then, once again, as you reach another new level of improvement in your concentration, then you'll start to have to deal with dullness as a more serious problem. Uh, you'll have to do that for a while. Once you've succeeded, though, you'll probably pretty, be pretty much done with, with that kind of dullness and sleepiness uh, for good. These are the two problems that you are going to spend most of your time dealing with as your, as your concentration is beginning to develop and become strong. The first is distraction. And in those stages, you see how it goes from long periods of, of having completely forgotten the meditation object to brief periods of forgetting it to in the fourth stage where you never really forget it, but uh, the distractions can sometimes be very strong and take your attention away from the meditation object. But the other thing that you're dealing with, the other problem, is sleepiness and dullness, where you sit down and your mind starts to lose its clarity and progress towards dullness. And so you have to overcome both of these, but as you, as you succeed in overcoming both of them, they tend to be pretty much permanently overcome. So once you overcome mind-wandering, for example, you, you may occasionally have to deal with it again, but you truly progress to a stage where you very rarely have any episodes of mind-wandering. When you overcome the forgetting, the, the briefer, uh, uh, not so much mind-wandering, but just brief forgetting, when you overcome with it, come that completely, although it may come back from time to time, it's never really a problem to the same degree. Then in the fourth stage where what we experience is sometimes you, without losing the meditation object, something else will replace it and you'll be thinking a thought while you're still following the breath but you're following the breath in the background. You'll eventually overcome that until your mind stays fully on the meditation object all the time. Although you still, you still may have times when that doesn't happen, but mostly you will overcome that problem. And so you can see there is a progressive development here that they, 
there, there come to be fewer and fewer problems, and the meditation becomes easier and easier, and it becomes more and more satisfying. There is exactly the same progression with regard to dullness and sleepiness. So it's good to know that. It's good to know that because dullness and sleepiness can be very discouraging and very frustrating. So I'll talk a little bit about how you overcome those. First of all, is just to recognize that sleepiness is just a very strong form of dullness. Okay. <coughs> So, the first thing you want to do is to recognize when it occurs. Because the earlier you recognize it in its onset, then the easier it is for you to deal with. So, as part of your introspective awareness and examining the state of your mind, what you want to do is to determine whether, whether dullness is developing or whether sleepiness is developing. <clears throat> so let's just think for a moment what that, how that might manifest. Well, the easiest way to detect subtle dullness is when you lose the clarity of perception of your meditation object, when the sensations of the breath that you're observing become fuzzy and not so clear. But there, even preceding that is where the mind itself doesn't feel as clear. Okay. But that period where the meditation where the meditation object is not as vividly perceived as before, as that strengthens, it will begin to become actually vague. It's like you're gradually becoming more and more distant from it. And it's just this this thing that you're observing that's more indistinct and in the distance. And then very often, what will happen is it will become distorted and it will become something other than what it is. You know, Dream-like imagery begins to enter into this. It's a hypnagogic state when that happens. And usually very shortly after it's become strong enough that, that there are these dream-like images, you'll actually have that sinking feeling into falling asleep, drowsiness, uh, you will uh, you'll lose awareness entirely, and your body will begin to slump, and you'll catch it as you, you jerk upwards. So the, the earlier you become aware of this, then the easier it is to counteract. And so in terms of the project as a whole, you want to learn to be aware of dullness and sleepiness as early as possible in the process. The second thing is when you become aware that they're there is to rouse yourself out of it. So you do whatever's necessary to rouse yourself from whatever degree of dullness that you're experiencing. And this means that you have to learn uh, ways of doing that. And because the dullness can be very strong or very mild, you can be suffering from a, a strong tendency to fall asleep or you can be just in that very vague, fuzzy awareness, then it will take different uh, different things to sufficiently rouse you. So, um, but what you want to do is to bring your bring the energy level of your mind up again 
enough so that you stay alert at least for several minutes. Okay? And if you stay alert for several minutes, then that's good. You've done enough. You may not become sleepy again. You may not sink into dullness again for the rest of the sit. And if you don't, that's fine. But you do want to stay alert for several minutes. And if that happens, then you've used a strong enough antidote to the, the dullness or the drowsiness that's present. If, as soon as you bring yourself back up, you start feel yourself starting to sink back down again, then you haven't used a strong enough antidote. You need to do something a little more, a little more arousing, a little more energizing. And so that's a learning process. It's also a training process. Don't make it your objective that, oh, I can't be sleepy. I've got to get over being sleepy. You need to train your mind not to slip into dullness and not to slip into drowsiness. And the only way you can train your mind not to slip into dullness is to have dullness arise and counteract it. So, don't get into a negative state about dullness or drowsiness. The most difficult thing about it is that the dullness and drowsiness feel good, and pulling yourself out of it is unpleasant. That's the most difficult thing about it. So just accept that. <coughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen with. Uh, it's going to happen as often as it needs to until you've trained your mind in such a way that it doesn't happen anymore. And it's not going to be particularly pleasant doing it. So the ways that you counteract the dullness at different degrees, um, if we look at If we look at what usually keeps us alert, it's all of the ongoing stimulation that we have from all of our senses and the activities that we engage in. So it's a combination of sensory input and, uh, and activity, motor activity, that keeps the brain energized, keeps the mind energized, keeps us alert and awake. When you're sitting still and when you're ignoring all sources of sensory stimulation, then this is what causes the, the mind and the brain to lose energy and start uh, slipping into dullness. So one of the, the simplest ways to counteract that is to just broaden your awareness to uh, the sensations in your body, the sounds that are taking place in the environment. Uh, you can open your eyes, things like that. And, and this, this will tend to wake you up, but only if the dullness is, hasn't established itself very strongly. If it's established more strongly, you may need to have some muscle activity and some further source of stimulation. And uh, the two methods that I recommend, but feel free to invent your own once you, once you are clear on how they work. Two methods that I suggest is one involves clenching all of your muscles, holding it, and relaxing it. And you can do that several times. That will uh, that will invigorate your mind. And that if, if your dullness, if the drowsiness is not too strong, that may be enough to keep you alert for uh, 
uh, at least the next five minutes or so. Very similar to that is taking a deep breath and exhaling very slowly against resistance. It has a very interesting effect. I won't go into the physiological basis for it, but it, that does directly stimulate your brain. Feel, you'll feel the, the sort of rush of energy that you get from that. And you can repeat that several times. And that can, that can bring you into a state of alertness without uh, disturbing the people you're sitting with. There's all kinds of things similar to that that you might invent on your own. But all you're doing really is just waking yourself up. Taking a few minutes away from your regular practice to wake yourself up and make yourself more alert. So if that works, in other words, if that gives you several minutes at least of alertness, then keep doing that as often as you need to. And each time your mind starts to sink into dullness and each time you bring it back, you're training it. And the training effect will show up and that after a while, you'll come into a state of alertness and you'll stay there. More importantly, after some period of uh, some number of days or weeks of having to deal with dullness on and off, you'll find it ceases to be a problem. <coughs> the first time that dullness begins to develop and the first time that you take the antidote towards it, then it's taken care of for the rest of the set. So you're training your mind not to do this. Now, these things that I suggested that you can do sitting without disturbing your posture or disturbing people with you may not be strong enough. So if you do that, you tense your muscles several times and take a few deep breaths, things like that, and you find that that wakes you up, but you know, within a few seconds, you're just you're sinking back into the dullness and sleepiness again. You need to do something that is more powerfully stimulating physiologically. So stand up, meditate standing up for a little while. Uh, it's not very comfortable, but it will wake you up. And then when you feel like you're sufficiently wide awake, then you can try sitting down again. And if you need to, you can stand up. You can stand up and sit down as many times as is necessary. Or maybe after you've stood up and sat down a couple of times, then you can go back to taking deep breaths or something to deal with the dullness that arises. If standing up to meditate doesn't work in the sense that it makes you alert, but as soon as you sit down, dullness, dullness begins to reestablish itself, then you need to do something that is even more effective than that. And so I would suggest that you do some walking meditation. And then the strongest thing of all is to go and splash some cold water in your face <laughs> and sit down. But uh, I don't feel like oh, well, my meditation is spoiled because now I've got to keep standing up and I, I, I had to quit meditating and go splash water in my face and spoil my meditation. That's not true. It's been a wonderful, very successful meditation. As long as you've done something to, to overcome the drowsiness, overcome the dullness, you, you're training your mind. And you're training your, and, and the success of the training is that the day will come where dullness is never a problem. But everyone has to go through this. I don't think there's any, I've never heard of any exceptions. I think it's, it's the, 
it, it, it's physiology and it's a lifetime of conditioning. And we're, we're just training our minds to function in a different way under a certain set of circumstances. And so everybody will have to go through it. So that's, that's the strong dullness and the sleepiness. The sleepiness is more stage three. Stage four, you usually catch it earlier and we describe it as strong dullness. And if you, uh, it's a matter of recognizing it and overcoming it and it doesn't really get to be sleepiness. Uh, or, or it may sometimes, but less often comes to be sleepiness. But then there's something that we can call it, uh, subtle dullness. And that's, that precedes the strong dullness that precedes the sleepiness. Subtle dullness is where your, your mind loses the, uh, <clears throat> the vividness, the intensity, the clarity of perception that you did have. You might even find that sitting here listening to me talk after you've had lunch, that sometimes it's hard to maintain the, the same clarity of perception and the meaning of the words that I'm saying. So you know what I'm talking about. When you're meditating, the same thing happens. You're observing the breath. And start to lose that clarity. And you can learn to pick up on that right away. And if you catch it quickly enough, just noticing it and brightening up your awareness of the meditation object can be enough. Uh, and if that's not enough, then the first thing I mentioned, just leaving the breath aside for a moment, expanding your awareness to all of your body sensations, to, to the sounds that you hear, uh, to the, the image of the place that you're at, might be enough to, to stimulate your mind. You can open your eyes. You can meditate with your eyes open. I said earlier it's good to learn to meditate with your eyes open, because that's a good way to keep the subtle dullness at, at bay, is to meditate with your eyes open. Just talking about, you know, with full belly, it's harder to focus. I feel this very strongly right now. Yes. Would you recommend those steps of waking up and staying awake also when you feel like half sick or you didn't sleep and you get on the morning in the morning on your cushion and it's all fuzzy? You still work with those steps? Um, if, if, no, no. If, the reason that you're dealing with sleepiness is because you were genuinely fatigued. You're, you're, you're tired. You didn't get enough sleep, or you're trying to meditate after a hard day's work. <clears throat> then the answer would be no. Or if you're ill, the answer would be no. Because you see, what you want, what you, what you're trying to do, is to train the mind to do something that it doesn't need to do but it has a, it's conditioned to do. You know, that it has a physiological predisposition to do, but that it doesn't need to do. Okay, so if you are, if you're exhausted, if you haven't had enough sleep, then in this case, your mind's trying to do something that it really does need to do. And it's not, it's not really a good circumstance to, to, bring about the kind of training you want when you're dealing with that. Likewise when you're sick. Other questions? So 
dealing with dealing with dullness, dealing with drowsiness is a very completely normal part of meditation. But it is only a phase that you have to go through. And once you've gone through that phase, it will uh, it won't be much of a problem anymore. Yes. So if you haven't had enough sleep and your and your body is tired and you try to meditate and and you're very and you're drowsy, is it better to just wait until the next day to meditate, take a nap? It would be better to take a nap and if you can meditate after you've rested. I'm always in favor of not skipping your practice, so if you can have a nap and then meditate, that would, that would be better. <clears throat> but you do have to, uh, you know, you do have to sincerely judge that there is a physiological need for rest, rather than say, oh no, well, I must not have slept that well last night, so I think I'll go have a nap. Now, if you're sure that's the case, great, you know, but you, we can fool ourselves, so, so don't do that. Time of day is important. And uh, we all have what's called a diurnal rhythm, a daily cycle that we go through. Your body temperature rises and falls, your metabolic rate rises and falls. Uh, your level of alertness and awareness rises and falls. And there are certain times of the day when you're most alert, and then there's this time of day. Uh, well, it, it varies a little bit, but there is a period somewhere in the middle of the afternoon, for most people somewhere between about 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock, where our metabolism slows down and our thinking is, is slower and less clear, we're, we're most prone to, uh, to dullness. So it's a very, very difficult time to do a meditation practice. So if I ask you to sit right now for 15 minutes, uh, you'll definitely experience dullness. <laughs> now, if you didn't eat lunch, it might not be quite as severe, but it'll still be there. If you eat lunch and then you try to meditate in the middle of the afternoon, and you've also got uh, another, some other physiological processes taking place. You have a great increase in blood flow to your stomach and intestines, which reduces the blood flow to your brain. But even more than that, it's interesting that your, your intestinal system releases hormones into the blood. And their main purpose is actually to cause other parts of the intestine to contract and release hormones and so forth. But as it turns out, these hormones also affect the nervous system, and they are also part of what uh, creates a sluggishness in the afternoon. So when you're digesting a meal, you have uh, less blood flow available to go to your brain, and you have uh, drowsiness-inducing hormones being released into your bloodstream. And if that's happening at the time of the day, when your metabolic uh, when, your, when your metabolic rate has, has already dipped to a low point, uh, you're quite likely to deal with dullness. So I don't really recommend this as the best time for anybody to meditate. Although, although you can. If you learn to overcome dullness, you can meditate in the afternoon too. And, and you may still experience 
a little bit of dullness, but you, you can overcome it. So you could also decide to deliberately meditate in the afternoon if you want to, just to, just to see, just to test yourself, or just to, to uh, put yourself into a stronger training situation, sort of like lift a, lifting a heavier set of weights today, just to, to get the kind of results that I want. So I probably have already, I've, I've let too much time go since we sat down after lunch. You've already got all those sleepy hormones and <laughs> all that sluggishness happening. So we better not sit right now. We better wait for a little wait a little later to do that. <clears throat> so let's just go back to trying to get really clear on what these first four stages are all about. say about these, I think that one of the things that is discouraging to people is how long it can take to get to the point where you never forget your meditation object anymore. But how long that takes depends a lot on, on whether you approach your practice in, in the best possible way. Regularity is really important. Practicing every day. And practicing practicing for a sufficiently long period of time. You know, I really recommend an hour a day. But I realize that, that, that that's difficult to do. So that's why the first of these four stages is developing a regular practice. And you might first develop a practice that involves 20 minutes or half an hour of sitting and then gradually extend that to longer periods. But a lot of people that have been meditating for years still find that, that uh, they forget the meditation object and their mind wanders. And hopefully, I believe, most of them that this is true of, it's because they haven't been aware of this particular approach of uh, recognizing how uh, how this training unfolds, and so they they've been allowing themselves. They haven't been doing the right things, and they've been doing some of the wrong things. So, I'd like to to just go over what the right things and the wrong things are. The wrong things are any sort of uh, negative mental attitudes, self-critical attitudes. Uh, feelings of frustration, things like that. That's wrong. Because you're, you're trying to train your mind and it doesn't respond very well to negative conditioning. It really, it, it, your mind will respond to negative conditioning through avoidance. And so if you get frustrated at yourself because of the quality of your meditation, you're going to, your mind is going to react by wanting to avoid meditation. Right. So that's really a wrong thing to do. Any sort of criticism of yourself, judgment of yourself, feeling frustrated, feeling annoyed, feeling disappointed, all of these kinds of things. 
Remove all those feelings from your mind whenever they arrive. Relax, remind yourself, ah, okay, no, no. Some number of times that my mind is going to wander, I don't know what it is yet. But it has to happen. Maybe 5,372, and I, I don't know, might have to happen. Might have, have only 250 times left that I have to recognize this has happened, feel good about recognizing that it's happened, and bring my attention back before, before I get to the point where, you know, it uh, doesn't happen anymore. I mean, that's kind of a silly example. <coughs> but the point is, is that it is, you just keep doing the simple thing over and over again, and eventually the problem disappears. And the way that the, the way that that manifests, the way that disappearance manifests, is that you notice the mind wandering sooner and sooner, and the and then it takes longer while you're on the meditation object before the next time that you forget how the mind wanders. So that's how the success manifests, and so you just trust that if you don't allow negative feelings to arise, and if you continue to positively reinforce the recognition of the, the coming into the present, into, the, into awareness, that it will take care of itself, then it will happen more quickly. The other thing that you don't do is you don't try to stop thoughts, you don't try to stop being aware of other sounds and sensations and things like that. You just accept. You let them be there. Let all of that be there. It's not until you're well beyond the fourth stage that you even begin, at the very least, to concern yourself with the idea that these things might disappear, that they might go away. So you just allow them to be there and be content with trying to become continuously aware of the meditation object. other things that you do is you recognize that it's by being aware of what's happening in your mind that you will be able to notice any tendency to uh, lose a meditation object more quickly. And so you keep that in mind and try to have that awareness as much as you can. And exactly, exactly the same thing applies to the dullness. That it's being aware of what's happening in your mind that allows you to recognize dullness before it becomes very strong so that you can take a deep breath instead of going to splash cold water in your face. Or, actually, the real motivation in that one is so that you can overcome the dullness very quickly with a few deep breaths, rather than this ongoing thing of you slipping into this comfortable dullness and then jerking yourself out of it and experiencing that discomfort and everything so over and over How many of you are feeling dullness right now? <laughs> now stand up for a minute. This is a great and noble endeavor that you undertake to become a, become a skilled meditator.
it's also a lot to take in here. It's not just here. <laughs> No matter what kind of meditation that you want to practice, or no matter what other kind of practice that you want to do, you can probably see what wonderful advantage it is to get to the place where you can do that practice without forgetting what you're doing and having the mind wander, and without getting dull and drowsy and falling asleep. So this is just such a such an important thing to do. Such a wonderful thing when you succeeded at it. And it shouldn't take you too long either. Right. So don't let yourself become at all discouraged. You can sit down whenever you're ready. Here you can keep standing. Some of the things that you should do, continue with, you should uh, try to stay inspired about meditation and the fruits of meditation. So it's good to it's good to read things or listen to recorded talks, to hang out with other meditators. It's especially good to hang out with people who have been meditating longer than you, and so that you can sort of pick up on their uh, their enthusiasm and be inspired by them. Another thing that's important to do is to find the joy, the satisfaction that there is in your meditation practice. Uh, and there's always some there. What I recommend to doing you sit down, every time you sit down, you know, it's a process of relaxation. And don't rush into it, you know, plop yourself down immediately. Okay. Sensation of the breath. <laughs> sit down and settle in and relax and, and get comfortable and, and think about you know this next 45 minutes or this next hour or whatever it is <coughs> that in this next period of time you're really free of all of the concerns of the world and consciously let go of it and just be there and feel your body be aware of your body. It's wonderful to be alive and in, in a human body, isn't it? You know, we're so busy that we often just forget to notice how absolutely wonderful it is. And, and uh, the comfort of this meditation seat. I mean, this feels really good. You know, the, the, it supports me, you know, it holds me up. Soft. I feel stable. Straight. You know. Experience experience your body fully. Not just the sensations in your skin, but in your muscles and your joints and everything else. And relax them. And let go. And so you start out your meditation. This period of time that you really don't have anything else to be too concerned about. The rest of the world has been set aside. It's just you and your mind and your body. 
taking this moment to appreciate your body and the earth that you're on and a part of. And the delightful feelings of that. And then you're ready to start bringing the awareness. You can bring the awareness into your breath at that point. While still, still in a place of enjoyment, <coughs> satisfaction, happiness, contentment. Very often when you sit down, there there will be things on your mind. You'll have things, life is filled with problems, and so, you know, you'll have problems. You'll have worries. You'll have things that you need to remember to take care of later. But you can let that go for the time being. You can feel as you sit there, and maybe as you count your breaths, you have to start over a couple of times because the problems of the day keep coming at you. But you can know that in a few minutes, your mind's going to calm down and it's going to let go of those things too. And as you, as you begin to enjoy more success in your meditation, then you're going to have more of those experiences of sitting where you, you do have this stillness, you do have this calm, you do have this peace, and you do have happiness. And enjoy those and remember those. They're really important. And when you find yourself distracted or drowsy, then just remind yourself that's all right too. That's completely fine. Because it's normal for that to be there and you know what to do about it. So you just do the simple thing that you have to do about it. Meditation is the simplest thing in the world. All you do is observe the sensations of your breath, or observe whatever meditation object that you have. Engage with it. Try to enjoy it. Take interest in it. And then, if you discover that you're your faculty for sustained attention isn't quite well trained enough and your mind's gone somewhere else, then be glad that you that other mental faculty that made you aware of it is still functioning. And then gently bring your mind back to being relaxed, to being calm, to letting go of all of the stress of the day. Check into your body. As a matter of fact, every single time that you bring your awareness back to your breath, you can also at the same time just relax your whole body. You know, just just get back into that place of being comfortable all over again. Comfortable and satisfied. If drowsiness arises, don't resist it. Don't fight with it. Welcome it. Ah, okay. This is my opportunity to train the drowsiness to go away. When the problems of, of the day cause your mind to be too agitated, well, welcome that. This is the opportunity to meditate with that as the, as the challenge of the day. And that's all it is. It's just the challenge of the day. There's no such thing as a bad meditation. Except a meditation where you give up. If you get discouraged, 
And if you give up, that's a, yeah, you can say that was a bad meditation. <laughs> but if you just keep doing what's there to be done, and doing it in the most relaxed and, and uh, the, the most uh, the, the state of mind with the most ease and grace, then it's a fantastic meditation. If it involves some periods of true inner peace and profound relaxation, or if some great insights come up, well then it's a super fantastic meditation. But it's always a good meditation. So that's a very important part of the training. Always be in guard, on guard against trying too hard, and pushing yourself, and punishing yourself, and setting expectations, and being disappointed. You know, to somebody who hasn't meditated, uh, the idea of sitting still for an hour probably sounds pretty easy. How would you like to give up all of your worries for an hour? <coughs> Sit, comfortably, be relaxed. Well, that's the way it should be. That's the way you should. That's the way you should continue to look at it. After a while, your directed attention will become so good that uh, you notice that even when there's a distraction, the mind just easily comes back. As soon as you realize there's a distraction, the mind comes back. The mind just automatically comes back. The dog starts barking, and uh, you hear it, but the mind comes back. And when you experience that, don't dismiss it as, as, oh yeah, it's wonderful. Because that wasn't there in the beginning. And when the, your sustained attention becomes so good that you have long periods of time with your meditation object, that too is wonderful. You, know, you should, if you lose, if you lose awareness, you should approach it more with an attitude of, wow, that was wonderful how long I can win before this happened. <laughs> Isn't this great? When you start having those longer periods where you stay with the meditation object without interruption, what, one of the most wonderful things, I think, is that you become aware of what I call the inner landscape of your mind. You start to become aware of what's going on in your your mind stays still. You know, you can't you can't really see what's around you when your attention is going all over here. But if you hold it steady, then everything is illuminated. And you begin to realize the nature of your mind and the way it works. And that's wonderful. And then you start to see subtler and subtler degrees of it. The emotions start that are, are you some of you already know this. Some of you may not have realized this yet, but there is a constant flux of different kinds of emotions going through your mind. You notice the really strong ones. You don't often notice the more subtle ones. And we naturally tend to identify with emotions when they're present. You know, I am angry. I am afraid. I am happy. 
I am annoyed. I am impatient. I am wrestling. <coughs> but when you get to a place where you start to see that you are not these things, you don't own them, you don't create them, they, they are just flavors of the mind, and the mind produces them, and some part of the mind turns on and it floods the mind with a feeling of restlessness, and that you don't have to be restless. Because if, you, if, if I am restless, well, I'm uncomfortable, and I'm unhappy. On the other hand, if I see restlessness arising, I can acknowledge it, let it be there, and it'll go away. I don't have to be it. And if I don't have to be it, then I don't have to, to resist the situation that I see is causing it. I don't have to try to make it go away. And so this is what you'll find, what quite a few of you I know have already found, that when, when the mind starts to be still, you can see what goes on in the mind, and you can see it in a much more realistic way. And you can cease to be battered by it, bounced around from one thing to another by it. You'll see your thoughts coming up. You know, when you can keep your mind on your meditation object, the thoughts keep coming up, coming up. And you, while you stay focused and you're watching out of the corner of your eye, you start to recognize what's going on. You see, it's that same nonsense keeps going on over and over again. Well, it's interesting that having that recognition, when you recognize that there's some same cycle of thought that keeps going on, but you're not buying into it, you know, you're not you're not engaging in, in, in that conversation. You're staying with your meditation object, but you are aware of it, and your awareness is also of its uh, if, of its pointlessness. That has an effect. The effect is that after you've experienced this for a little while, those pointless thoughts will quit. I told you that all the, that after a while, all the ordinary, everyday thoughts start to disappear. They predominate less and less. What that is a result of is that you have been mindfully aware of their presence. And instead of buying into them and engaging with them, you've let them be. But you can't help recognizing their, their nature. And the more that you recognize about their nature, the more you undermine the source of their energy that keeps them going, that keeps feeding them. If you see a thought as one that is associated with desire. And if in your other studies and your other contemplations you recognize that desire is not something that results in pleasure and happiness, but desire is really a kind of affliction. And <coughs> desire keeps us dissatisfied and unhappy rather than taking us to some place of lasting satisfaction. Now that's something that would happen outside of the context of the meditation itself. But you would have thought that through and had that recognition and, and come to see that indeed your own desires are a kind of affliction. 
But when that understanding is there, and then when in your meditation a kind of thought is passing through and you see, oh, that's coming out of desire, what happens now is that that recognition is going to have an influence on, on the source of those thoughts. And so desire-related thoughts begin to be undermined at their root and lose their strength. When, when they, they still come, but they don't come as strong and as often. And this is how those kinds of, uh, of thoughts gradually become cleared away from your mind stream. And the mind settles down becomes peaceful, no longer afflicted by desire or ill will or worry or doubt, because you've been able to see. I mean, doubt's one of those things that we buy into it so easily. A thought of doubt comes into our mind, and, you know, yeah, yeah, this, this is reality, or this is something to worry about, or this is uncertainty, for I've got to sort this out. I've got to examine this. I've got to solve this. I've got to resolve it. But if instead you're focused on your meditation object and a thought of doubt comes up and you don't lose your awareness, but you know it's there. You know what it is. It's a thought of doubt. It's just it's a thought arising out of uncertainty. You know, And there's that recognition, well, it's a good thing I'm not wasting my time on that because I know where that leads to. Uncertainty just takes the mind in useless circles. So... That kind of awareness will, that, that's how the hindrances begin to go away. This is the practice of mindful awareness. Only you're not sitting down saying, okay, I'm going to be mindfully aware. Instead, you're sitting down and you're saying, okay, I'm going to see if I can't be continuously aware of the sensations of my breath for the next hour. And if you keep doing that, mindfulness, if you don't fall asleep, mindfulness happens. If you're trying to, if, if you increase the innate power of that mindful awareness through trying to stay fully alert and aware and examining all the details of your breath as they occur, you can't help but overflow into your awareness of everything else. So you end up practicing mindfulness. You practice mindful awareness. So. Going to the fourth stage then, mastering the fourth stage. When, when you actually reach the fourth stage, when you don't ever suffer, uh, I like that word, suffering. Anyway, you don't ever suffer from forgetting your meditation object anymore. Even though sometimes it slips off in the background and you're just barely aware, you never lose it. When you reach that stage in your practice, then you're no longer a beginner. You're no longer a novice. You can do something that most people on this planet absolutely cannot do. You are, you are now, you have reached the level where you can truly say you have a skill that most people don't have. And that skill has these kinds of benefits. It has the mindfulness. You begin to see the thoughts. You begin to see, you begin to see the emotions that arise in your mind. You begin to see the reactions that your mind has to the thoughts and the emotions. And all of this comes about by simply trying to fulfill the simple task of staying on the meditation object.
it does kind of take care of itself if you let it. And it won't take you that long. But you can't, you, you can't, you can't do this, you know, meditating half an hour a day, and then two days later you manage to get in another 20 minutes. It takes some regularity. It's training. It's the same way, you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to have a really nice, physically fit body, you know, that you can't do that if you uh, work out in the gym one day and then don't make it in for the next four, and then you go for a run day after that, and then you don't do that again for two weeks, it doesn't work, right? You're training your mind, so, you know, you have to do it regularly, but you don't have to stress out about it. You don't have to grind and grit and push and anything else. All you need to do, all the hard work actually happens before you sit down. The hard work is having a time and place and not letting anything else interfere with you going and sitting down at that time and place. You know, that is the hardest part, isn't it? But if you can do that hard part, if you make it a priority in your life, if you arrange your life so that you can do your practice, then when you get to sit down and cushion, the hardest part of all is already over with. And then you just do the simple practice. And if you do the simple practice, then over time you'll you'll graduate from the second stage to the third stage to the fourth stage and then to the fifth stage. You'll be a skilled meditator and you'll start to read benefits of it. Now there's some other things you can do to help yourself along in this process. One I mentioned earlier, you can take all those little opportunities that arise during the day to uh, practice meditation. Five minutes here, two minutes there, ten minutes somewhere else. Just relax and follow your breath. Relax and count ten breaths. This will help a lot. You can practice introspective awareness anytime, all the time. Uh, so uh, just notice the state of your mind. How, how alert am I? How distracted am I? What emotions am I reacting to in this moment? What am I feeling? How does my body feel? What tension am I carrying? You know, you can make that a habit. If you make that a habit during your daily life, then it's going to, you can't help but accelerate the process of what happens when you sit down on the cushion. You're going to already then reflecting in that in that very wholesome and helpful way. Then there's another kind of meditation that you can do. And I think you'll find this very helpful. Most of the time people do this only in retreats. But I would encourage you to find uh, a time to do walking meditation in, as part of your daily practice as well. So I'm going to talk to you about walking meditation. 